Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 5. You know, heaven's been on my mind here recently. I don't know about you, but uh, heaven's been uh, more real in just recent days. Of course, I didn't know some of these families as well as a lot of you do or have. And so, uh, but even as uh, we gather to remember these folks, I think Mr. Pruitt and uh, uh, Mr. Rodney and uh, these who are in their last days of life, heaven is sweeter. We will see them one, one day again. It's a great promise, isn't it? And no more problems, no more sorrows, no more struggles, no more pain, nothing. They'll be all over with, and so we'll get to see them again. And so uh, it's a great reminder. I have some family who've, who are there, and, and uh, I have a grand, two grandfathers in heaven, and then uh, some uh, my wife's grandparents, or some of them are in heaven as well. And uh, so it's going to be a wonderful day. Many folks have gone on before us, and so heaven, heaven, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be tonight. Did anybody not get a handout this evening? Anybody need one? A couple uh, uh, up here. Abigail, I'll give you mine, Abigail. So you don't have, anybody else? Miss Wilma? There's James. He's John on the spot. He'll bring you one. It's just a little paper. It looks like this. Just a little outline to give to you tonight. Now, just because you got ahead of time doesn't mean you leave um, tonight. And I know some people uh, joke about that. Well, we got the message. We can go home. But this is more for you just to use kind of a guide. And uh, I don't know, any, anybody else like, uh, like me, like to have something kind of to write on and kind of help anybody like that have a pay attention? It helps me because of my ADHD brain works that way. And so I just like to have notes. So I encourage you to do some, some of that tonight. And it's there for you, just kind of the basic outline. And so you can add to that. Ephesians chapter 5. And I was, uh, yesterday, as uh, Pastor Phillips started making plans to leave, I began thinking about what the Lord would have us to, to be at tonight or where to be in. And he brought my mind back to Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I've been reading through some of the, the uh, uh, prison epistles of Paul and been thinking through them. And this is a passage that I've come to sometimes. And this is a great reminder. Now, when I was a kid growing up, we had uh, a garden. Uh, at my dad's uh, church when I was growing up, uh, right next door to the church was a parsonage. And, and so in the backyard was a big garden. And we had some really good years of gardening and some really uh, bad years of gardening. And so if I went out, we planted corn seed or we planted... Um, uh, beans, or I remember some certain things. We did cabbage one year and did different things, just tried different things. But if I went out and planted corn, uh, I would expect corn to come up, right? And I would expect if I planted uh, watermelons to have watermelons grow up eventually, or green beans to have green beans. And so as we think about the Christian life tonight, as Paul really is a direct uh, message to the believers at the church of Ephesus, he says to them, he says, if you are going to say you're a Christian, then you should walk as like you are a Christian. And so Paul really gives just a point to them, and really we find uh, this, this, these truths tonight right out of the Scripture. So you look, look at them with me. Start in verse 1, and we'll read, kind of read through uh, these um, uh, commands or these encouragements from Paul, and then we'll break down these verses a little bit and just do a Bible study together tonight. And again, I hope this will be a help to you. Look at verse 1, Ephesians 5, verse 1. It says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Verse 2 says, And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now go down to verse number 8. You might want to underline these things or mark these things. This is really your outline as well, too. Verse 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. And notice this, walk as children of light. There's the second one. Look down to verse number 15. It says, Then see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And tonight I want to give you this thought, is, is your walk, is your life, your Christian walk, is it talking? 
Do people see your life and say, yeah, that, that's a Christian. That person, they love the Lord. That person's living the Christian life. And this is what Paul, I believe Paul often was very direct. He wasn't a beat around the bush. He wasn't, well, maybe you should. I, I believe Paul, from reading even through his uh, epistles and other books he wrote, he was just to the point. He says, be Christians, follow Christ, walk circumspectly, walk as children of light, walk as uh, those that know Christ. And so we're going to look at that thought tonight and uh, just ask the Lord to help us this evening. Let's pray together. And just before we get into this, and then we'll start and uh, try to get down through as far as we can. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time together. Thank you as we open your word that you would um, just bring forth the truths that we need to hear. Speak to my heart, Lord, as you've done already today. Speak to the hearts of those folks gathered here tonight. I pray you'll help us and equip us and use us, Lord, to be witnesses everywhere we go. Thank you again for this time together. In your name we pray. Amen. So notice this first one we find in the first second or the second verse is walk in love. Paul often used the word walk to describe a person's outward life. He would uh, really describe it as what other people see. Now we know that we're not here to please people. We're not coming to church to please one another. We, we gather to church for a number of reasons. We uh, live the Christian life because we have a relationship with Jesus. But Paul was often referring to the believers and helping them in their outward walk. And so we must keep Calvary before us and make Calvary love the goal in which we walk. God loves us and gave us his own son. And so the Bible uses his words, a sweet-smelling savor, a living sacrifice. He gave himself for us, and he died for us so that we can have eternal life and, and be with him forever in heaven. And so uh, as Paul is writing them, he's reminding them of these truths, living or being a Christian. As, as, as we think about giving our lives to the Lord, he gave himself for us. That, that word, sweet-smelling uh, savor or living sacrifice, uh, really, I think about sweet-smelling savor, I think about uh, freshly made uh, baked goods, the pie, you know, you smell that, and that's, that's as, as his father sent him to die for us. It, it was a, a pleasing sacrifice to him, and so, in other words, God gave himself, and it was a pleasing to his father, and if we think for just a moment tonight as we gather here as believers, we all probably in our hearts desire to please the Lord. We want to please God, and so then if we're going to walk in love, as we see the first command from uh, the Apostle Paul, there's going to have to be some things that should not be in our lives. Let's go down to verse number three. It says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh of the saints. Now remember that immorality and sexual sin was very prevalent in those times. It was very, very common and more natural in the unbelievers and even people who were believers. They were living immoral lives. They had many wives and many relationships and things. That was just a natural uh, way for them. And so as Paul was dealing with these converts at the church, he would um, encourage them not to live this way and remind them of the life we're going to see in a minute God brought them out of. And so the Holy Spirit here, uh, or the Holy Spirit says this behavior shouldn't be mentioned in Christian circles, fornication, un uncleanness, covetousness. These things should not be once named among the believers. In our society, and now we know that has become more tolerant of these sins. The conduct of the Christian is not controlled by heathen society or the world, but it is controlled by the Holy Spirit. We know that a Christian should be Holy Spirit-led. And then tonight, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do this, and this, 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 but the Word of God speaks for itself. There are things that should not happen in the life of a believer. Look at verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. We must be careful as we think tonight about our speech, our conversations, 
Think for just a moment today, have your conversations, either through phone calls, through texting, through uh, work conversations, have they been pleasing to the Lord? It's convicting when we think about that. Sometimes we don't even talk about anything spiritual. We don't bring up spiritual conversations, or maybe it's not so much as wrong talk or bad language, but we just don't talk about the things that would please God. And so Paul was reminding the believers that there should be some conversation. There should be conversation that's pleasing to the Lord. The world is always trying to pour into us its mold, trying to make us more like the world, going against the grain, going against what, uh, what we know to be true as believers. But the Holy Spirit brings us back to the gold standard of being Christ-like or having Christ-like behavior. These types of behaviors, Paul has mentioned, should not be used by God's people. And he goes on to say there's no reward for any of these type of actions or any of these type of people that live this way. Look at verse 5. Let's move on. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Paul bluntly wrote to that person who's guilty of the non-Christian practices that they cannot expect to share anything in the kingdom of God. There, there is now we know there's this cheap form of counterfeit Christianity today. It's happening. People want the title. They want the, the, the name tag of being Christian, but they don't want to live what goes along with the Christian life. And look, we're guilty of it too. If we're honest tonight, and, and I'm going to be honest tonight, just be real tonight, if, if we say we're a Christian, then our lives should show forth that. We should live that way. And so Paul reminds them that, uh, the label of, of a Christian is important. It should, it should carry the, the idea we know it means to be Christ-like. And so people that want that label don't allow the Holy Spirit to indwell in them, and they give way to these sinful practices and habits. Sometimes, we're going to see in a minute, we get so far in them, we don't even realize where we've gotten. or We don't even realize that we've gotten to that place. And so uh, Paul is reminding them, helping them, uh, encouraging them to, to live the Christian life. Look at verse number 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of obedience. That uh, word vain there carries the idea of hollow or empty. I mean, it's meaningless. And so uh, Paul brought up that people can set, be saved and say they're Christian and still habitually commit the gross and grievous sins as mentioned before. He says possible. Christians who, remember the planting the corn or planting the, the green beans, those things would come up, and, and if, if they came up that weren't those things, that there would be something wrong. But there are people who claim to be Christians and who don't live the Christian life. And so he says, don't be deceived by these vain, hollow words. His wrath, God's wrath, will be reserved for the unsaved as well who habitually sin, and they will have the same before God and answer to him. Look at verse number 7. Paul just kind of keeps going down the line here. He says, verse 7, be not, be not therefore partakers with them. God demands that we make a clean break with the ungodly lifestyles of the past days. If we think about just for a moment of our, our past uh, life, the one life before we were uh, saved. Now, I, I don't think you should dwell on that and, and dwell upon it long, but we can be thankful for where God brought us from. I grew up in a pastor's home. I, I knew all the right things to say. I knew how to live the Christian life. I knew how to answer right, but it wasn't until I was a senior in Bible college and the Lord convicted me of my sin and realized that I was a sinner and I needed to be saved. And so, I, I, of course, I didn't live a terrible life. I was in Bible college, but I had sinned. I had done wrong. And there was moments that I look back at my life and said, man, I was, I, I was a bad kid. 
Uh, pastor's kids are the worst. They really are. And uh, they, or I was the worst, not my brothers. They're, they're not in that category. But there were times I look back and go, why did I live that way? It's probably because I didn't know the Lord. I was living, just living it. I was just playing the game of being a Christian. And so I think this is really where Paul is trying to help them understand and hit it home. That if you're going to walk in love, if you're going to walk as your walk is going to talk, then you cannot say you're a Christian and live, live like the world. It's not possible. Verse 7, don't participate in any of these things. God demands to make a clean break from it. The Bible is very clear about being with the wrong type of people and allowing uh, these characteristics in our lives. We need to be careful about the people we surround ourselves with. Uh, I love coming to church because I know that I come to church, I'm going to surround myself with people who are um, living the Christian life, who love the Lord, and that's the kind of friends I want to be around. And so uh, Paul is urging these believers, remember the church of Ephesus, they were once living immoral lives, living lives that didn't please God before they were saved. And so he's now encouraging them to make sure, don't be partakers of that lifestyle. And so I jotted down this afternoon. I said, how can we live a holy life? How can we honor the Lord? How can we walk in love? Let me give you these couple things, just maybe something to jot down, maybe to think on before we move on to the next uh, uh, point here tonight. I wrote these three things down. So how do we live holy before God? How do we honor God and walk in love? We spend time daily in his word. Spend time daily in his word. If our... I, well, I say this, I know that when my life, my, my Christian walk is struggling or, or lacking is when I don't spend time in God's Word or spend time with the Lord. I think all of us were honest tonight, we would set, put ourselves in that same picture. We would say, when I lack in my spiritual walk with the Lord, then I, I know that I'm not following Him, I'm not living for Him, I'm struggling with sin, I'm struggling with these things. And so, spend time in the Word of God, avoid appearances of evil, and then ask God to help you live daily for Him. Ask the Lord to help you. For your feet, even get off the bed in the morning. Some of us takes a lot longer to get up off the bed in the morning, but uh, we get up off the bed in the morning before we even hit our feet. Lord, help me to live for you today. Help me to honor you in my speech today. Help me to walk in love today. Help me to live the life that you've intended for me to live as a Christian. In all my interactions, all my conversations, help me to live for you. Let's move on. Look at verse number 8 tonight. So first of all, we walk in love. Verse number 8 tells us, the second walk is to walk as children of light. Think about tonight, I want to ask you a question. Has there been a real change in your life? Can you say tonight without a doubt, Kenny, I know that God has saved me. God has changed my life. Can you say that tonight? You know, there, we think about a change, bring, seasons bring change. Uh, weather and times of year brings change. Spring soon will be upon us and, um, and we'll have the flowers blooming. Summertime will bring the heat and the sun and the uh, being outside, enjoying the time. Then comes fall, which is a beautiful time of year around here in the mountains. And so uh, change happens with that. And so as we grow, grow older and, and grow up, and, and change happens. Uh, we just had a, Ian's second birthday, and it just blows my mind because we moved here. He was not even walking or crawling. He's crawling around. And now he's running off pews and jumping off the balcony and all kinds of stuff, you know? So change is happening, okay? And so the Christian life, there should be a, a point we say, there's been a change in my life. And this is where Paul begins to, to point in even more with the believers. For you were, sometimes you were in darkness. And he says, but now, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. You were in the darkness in the past, you didn't know Jesus. You didn't live the Christian life. There was times before that you just lived like the world, but now you, you have the light. You've been saved. You've been changed. So there should be a change in our life. If we're going to walk the walk, then there must be a change in our lives. The Bible says we were sometimes in darkness. That is a time before we knew Jesus as our personal Savior. 
And then the Bible says, but now, now in the Lord, so walk like you know him. If we're the only one in this room tonight that the lights went out and we had a light, a flashlight, we would probably do our best to share that light and give that light to others can see the way. And that's how the Christian life should be. If we've been given uh, the the free gift of salvation, the, the light of the gospel, then we should want to give that to other people. And this is where Paul begins to help them, encourage them. There's, there should be a change in your life, and so you should encourage other people that you're walking in the light, so I want to help other people walk in the light. Notice, first of all, we see that there must be a change in our thinking. There must be a change in our thinking. Look at verse 8 again. It says, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the world. Light drives out darkness. If you came in the room tonight and the lights were off and you turned them on, it would get rid of the darkness. Light refuses to coexist with darkness. Paul had a past too. Paul was once persecuting believers, once uh, making fun of Christians, uh, uh, persecuting them. Then God changed him one day, and now he's doing uh, the, the, the work of, of a missionary, the work of encouraging the believers and, and being a, a missionary and gospel preacher. And so the, the life in the past, we all have a past. In the life in the past, the darkness before we knew Christ, and so now we are children of the light. We now have Christ in us. Look at verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. If we are children of the light, we will display the characteristics of the light. If we are walking as children of the light, then we're going to display those characteristics of the light. If we are children of God, we will display the character of God. That's how our lives should be. We don't even have to uh, walk around and say we're Christians and, and, and carry our Bibles around. We can just live as children of light, be in the Word of God and in the presence of God, and let people see Christ in us. That's, that's what Paul was encouraging them to do. The conduct of a Christian is best evidence of, a truly, of truly being saved. How they, how they act, how they converse with people. And, and Paul, again, remember, he's dealing with the outward walk. We are, where, where light radiates, it brings a change of character and a change of conduct. If Christ's working in us, it should change us. And it shouldn't help but come out in us. You know, sometimes when we maybe talk about the things of the Lord and, and uh, bring those things up in conversation, so it, it, people should be evident that we love the Lord that we care about uh, souls of others, that we want people to know Christ, we want people to invite. Many of you invited friends and family uh, here to this place, and you've encouraged them. They've come because of a result of your love for Christ, and you're wanting them to know him. And so that's how the light works. Look at verse number 10. Uh, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. It, it, is the behavior, or the thing I'm about to do, is it acceptable to the Lord? The world judges conduct based on society and culture. The Christian judges conduct according to whether or not the Lord approves it. We don't, we don't judge things based on what the world thinks. We, we shouldn't make decisions based on how the world says it should be. We should base things on what God and his words say. How many of you had to make a decision today? Any decisions made today? Maybe just simple as what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat for lunch. Am I going to eat that? candy bar after lunch or am I going to not eat that candy bar after lunch or am I going to have the the 14th cup of coffee or am I going to have no coffee okay so maybe you've made some new resolutions that's great I'm happy for you I will not be going along with you okay Uh, my my new resolutions don't work so I I didn't make very many this year but but as we think about the decisions we have to make there's some bigger decisions that may come down the road am I going to choose to obey God and his word this is what Paul was reminding him look you're going to walk as children of light and you're going to have to get in the word of God and get in the presence of God and make the judgment, make the uh, uh, decisions based on what he would say. It's not difficult to discover what, discover what is good, right, and true. All we have to do 
is stand next to Jesus for just a few moments. All, if we, know, we need to know what we're supposed to do as believers, and you, maybe you are right now at the press decision you have to make. I've been there. Making decisions is tough, and things I have to choose, and, and, and my family will be affected, or uh, my own life will be affected, or, or maybe you have family that you care for, the people you have to take care of, and business decisions, financial decisions, all those things. Stand next to Jesus for a few moments. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to make the decision. Help me uh, to make that decision. So Paul saying is proving what is acceptable. All, all we need to do is stand next to him for a few moments. For, from his first breath in the cradle to his last breath on the cross, he spent his life under the smile and approval of his Father in heaven. The, the Lord lived a life that was exemplary to all of us. The simple way to judge our conduct is, 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 it, is if it's acceptable to the Lord. Will the Lord be pleased with this? If the Lord's not pleased with this and I can do this and please the Lord, then I'm going to do it. If, I, if it doesn't please the Lord, then Paul says, proving it, trusting the Lord, looking to him. If we want to walk the walk, then our thinking should have to change. Second of all, we see under this, if we think about children of light, there must be a change in our lifestyle. Look at verse number 11. There must be a change in our lifestyle. It says this, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Rather reprove them. Instead of reproving the works of darkness, we are to take a firm stand against them. The things that, that we know to do right, we are to do those things and stand against those things that are wrong. We know excuse me, things <clears throat> that are not pleasing to the Lord. Regardless of consequences, we cannot compromise with what is done in darkness. Verse 12 goes on to say, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now remember, Paul is dealing with outward walk, their outward living. And so the believers at Ephesus lived outwardly. They lived lavish lifestyles. They lived worldly lifestyles. And so that's why he was bringing it into their attention, helping them understand. And so we, we have really today, we have lost that blush sense or, or that blush in a sense. Things that were once sacred, things that were private, things that were not to be talked about openly are now talked in plain speech. It's all around us, right? We think about, we see it on TVs, we see it on movies, we see it on ads, on social media. We see it everywhere. It's everywhere. And our kids are being bombarded by it. Our families are being bombarded by it. And so there, there are things that sometimes we don't even realize are happening before us. And so these things are coming out. And, and so Paul, Paul was reminding them, for it is a shame to even speak of these things which are done of them in secret. It's a shame to speak of those things. There's things that we think right now that should not ever be, our, our kids shouldn't ever know about. And they know about now. Things are, are happening more prevalent. And, and, and so sometimes we as believers, I believe Paul was warning the Christians, look, be careful that you don't get caught up in these things. And sometimes we caught up, we don't even realize it. We've gotten so far into watching things, looking at things, talking about things that are not pleasing to the Lord. So we have to have a change in lifestyle. The Holy Spirit says we should avoid it. Don't even associate with those things that aren't pleasing to God. You know, if you're in doubt about it, if you're thinking, man, the Lord, I really can't do this and please the Lord, then I would highly suggest you not do it. It's, it's, it's sometimes we overthink things and we overcomplicate things. Lord, is this what I'm supposed to do? If you're not peace about it, Paul says, look, don't even... Don't even talk about those things. Don't even bring it up. Verse 13, let's move on. But in all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is the light. The word reprove here means to convict, to bring to a verdict of guilty. The Lord used the same word to describe the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in the human heart. We know that from John 16, 8. The Holy Spirit brings secret works of darkness into the light. For example, we think about... If you rolled over a big log or a, 
uh, a stone and, and you would see animals or bugs. Sometimes you might find a snake or something outside. You roll it over. So those things are now in the light. They've been brought to light and they scurry around. And so that's what Paul is giving us the idea. They, they flourished in being unseen. And once we let the light shine in and once we let the work of the Holy Spirit shine in us and work in us, his convicting work in our hearts, those hidden works of darkness will be exposed. Lord, is there something in my life that should not be there? Is there something that I've not uh, I've given to you or turned over to you? Lord, is there something that, that I need to change? Only the Holy Spirit can expose those things, our, our sins that need to be brought to light. When he does, we can see them for what they are, ugly beyond words. We've, we've taken sin and we've dumbed it down or we've tampered it down and say, well, that's not really a big sin or that's not a really a bad sin. It's a little sin. But all sin is sin. All wrong is wrong. And so Paul says those things, we, we once uh, were against them, stood firm against them. We've allowed them to trickle in. And we've allowed ourselves to do those things and they should not please the Lord. Numbers 20, or 32, 23 says, but if you will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord. Be sure your sin will find you out. I remember as a kid, my mom said that verse a lot to me. My parents, your sin will find you out. You may be hiding it from us, but we, the Lord knows, you'll find out. He knows. He knows the hidden things in our lives, and we must turn ourselves over to him, give ourselves the Holy Spirit. Not only will there be a change of our habits or a change of our lifestyle, there should be a, a change of our thinking, but we see under this, talking about children of light, there should be a change in our habits. There should be a change in our habits. Look at verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. This is a great verse for some of us tonight. Awake from the sleep. Awake from uh, those that sleep. Maybe you're coming in tonight dreary, and that's not what Paul is dealing with here, the actual physical sleep. But as you think about this verse, once you are saved, once, there, once there's been a real change, we are no longer the old man. We're, we're the new man. We're new creatures in Christ. You can go back to Ephesians 4.22 and see that if you uh, turn back over there, just back one chapter, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is the corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That's the old man that Paul is talking about. We are to put on the new man, put on the, be a new creature in Christ. So light and light, life go together. When he says, shall give thee life, he's describing there the rising sun. As the sun comes up each morning, a new opportunity to serve the Lord. The Christian has new light and new life. The new life chases away the darkness. We are no longer children of darkness. We are children of light, as Paul says. The new life replaces the deadness that once possessed him and held him in corruption of uncleanness. It's been described this way as, as a doctor who, or an autopsy doctor, goes into this decaying body and he uh, examines it with the gloves and this decaying body and he leaves those gloves on uh, he doesn't really wash his hands or scrub him down or scrub his hands down or sanitize them. That's the idea of the Christians still wanting to walk and talk as they did before they came to know Christ. And that's, that's unbelievable. We would never imagine a doctor who was touching a dead body would leave those gloves on to touch another body or another person. He would wash his hands and, and, and cleanse his hands and sanitize. And that's the same way of the Christian. We, we don't go back to the way we used to. Paul says, don't go back to that way. Don't, don't go back where you used to live, where you used to be. He says, wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. The idea of the Christian still wanting to live the old, old man, the old way, is, is just unbelievable for us to think about. And we are to walk as children of light. And so we are to walk as children of God who are no longer in darkness. Have you walked around in, in your past failures? 
Have you, have you gotten to, to a point of a pity party and just, man, I just, I've sinned too many times before. I've used to, today's been a bad day. I've been battling Satan. I've been doing this and I'm just defeated. Well, we don't, we, we're not bound by the darkness anymore. We're children of the light. So Paul says, walk in love. Let your outward love show. Let Christ be seen in you. And then he says, walk in light as children of light, ones who have been changed. Look at verse number 15. We see the third thing tonight. We'll be done here. So see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That idea of circumspectly means to walk carefully, precisely. It means to be exact. It means if I uh, was surrounded by maybe something in my way or something, if uh, you think about a, I use this analogy sometimes when I was working at a camp uh, growing up, or when I was in college, I worked at a, a Christian camp, and we'd go on this uh, hike up this creek, and so if you get in the creek and you step on stones and rocks and everything, the muddy water gets muddy everywhere, and you can't see where you're going, right? Or maybe you've been uh, somewhere before in the lake or wherever, you're walking, and it gets sand and mud everywhere, you can't see where you're going, you don't want to fall in a hole or break your ankle, and so you're kind of carefully walking where you're going, you're precisely planning your next step. And that is the idea that Paul has given to us as, as uh, being followers of Christ as our walk talking, then we're going to walk circumspectly. Or walk as looking is another way to describe it. It means to look around, to be careful of where we're looking and watch our next step, watch our next move as a Christian. We are to walk circumspectly with the time the Lord has given to us on earth. We are to be testimonies of the Lord Jesus Christ till he comes. Look at verse 16. So we see this, a few things that we think about underneath, underneath as we think about walking uh, circumspectly or walking as those that are looking, we see, first of all, to make most of every opportunity God has given to us. Verse 16 says, know, know this verse, we know this one well, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. That word evil, it's interesting. I, I, I don't think I remember reading about this, but I, I was reading about this afternoon. That word evil relates to pornography. It relates to everywhere we look and see things, pornography or pornographic pictures or things that are just things that we would never even talk about. Never bring up. And that's what Paul says. That's the evil that he's referring to. Redeeming the time, buying back the time because the days are evil. That's pretty bad. The evil is pretty, pretty bad. And everywhere we look, we are bombarded with those things, eyes to glance at, things to look at. And, and as I said already, it's unreal. Even to think about this afternoon, the stuff that our children and young people are exposed to, just ever before them on their, their, their phones, their computers, it's everywhere. And so they have to be careful. They have to walk circumspectly and make most of the time. The way to keep our thoughts pure is not to allow this world to plant vileness in our minds in our minds at all. Some things cannot be avoided. We know that. I understand that. Things sometimes we can't help and we can't avoid it. But we should do our best to redeem the time. Redeem the time, as we said, already means to buy back that time, to buy it back. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa tonight, think about this. We don't have much time left. God has not given us another day on this earth, and even the moment on this earth, we need to redeem the time. Think about church folks, church members, non-church members. If you're part of this church tonight, we don't have much time left. We are to redeem the time, to buy back the time. We don't have much left, even as Christians. Think about our Christian life, the, the Christian life that God has given to us to live. We, we must redeem that time. We don't have much time left. Life has become even sweeter to think about the last few days and we're not promised another day on this earth, and we are to redeem the time, to buy back, make the most of every opportunity God has given to you. We miss so many opportunities that we're not thinking and looking to the Lord, redeem that time. Look at verse number 17. We see this, don't make poor decisions. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding of what the will of the Lord is. Unwise carries the idea of senseless. 
You ever done something that's just senseless? Man, why did I do that? It was, it was senseless. I didn't even know what I was thinking. And, and it's silly for us to think that in one hand, we have the very word of God, the unbreathed word of God by our all-wise creator of the universe, and we neglect to read it and to study it, to memorize it, to obey it. Most of us know tonight very probably little what we couldn't know more about the Word of God. And so this is why the Holy Spirit says, don't be senseless, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord, we find, is being in His presence, in His Word. Pastor Philip preached a, uh, one of the questions a little while back on knowing the will of God. And it's one of those questions that we get asked a lot. How do you know the will of God? Well, simply following God in His Word, being in the presence of God, spending time with Him. That's how you find the will of God. Maybe you have some big decisions come up. Maybe you have some things. Every day in your job, you have to make decisions. Whatever you're responsible for, let the Lord help you. If you need wisdom, been studying on James on Wednesday nights. I listen to those messages and put them on the radio, but you've been studying through the book of James. James 1.5 reminds me, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Give it to all men liberally. He doesn't hold it back. He gives it to us when we ask him. We must make conscious decisions to study the Bible as much as we can. Make right decisions. The third thing we see, look at verse number 18. Let's read 18 to 21 and we'll be done here. The third thing I see as we think about walking circumspectly is this, is don't allow the wrong things to fill you up. Don't allow the wrong things to take place of the Lord or, or fill you up. Verse 18 says, and be not drunk with wine, where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, saying and making melody in your hearts to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. The idea that we see here is being drunk with wine is being so caught up with something else that takes the place of God. It does, not, it does, it does refer to someone who's intoxicated, someone that allows themselves to be filled with the, not the Holy Spirit. And so don't let Satan tonight use the things of the world to take the place of God. Satan would love to do anything he can to get our minds off the Lord, whether that's through alcohol, through other things, to get our minds off of him. And so don't allow him to take that place. Don't allow other things to fill you up. When a person's filled with the Spirit, he is transformed into another kind of person. He shows Christ-like Spirit and shows even, as we've mentioned earlier, the fruits of the Spirit. And it's evident in his walk and his talk that something has happened. There's been a change. or walking circumspectly. People that take knowledge of, of those who have been with Jesus, they, they know that. They can say, that person has spent time with the Lord. Uh, I read this this afternoon, how, do you, how to be filled with the Spirit and determined by God's grace that, the, that Jesus is the Lord to be. Think about this, like this little, maybe this little, you might want to jot these things down if you can. I'm just going to say it here. The Lord of every thought and action. Let him be Lord to send the Lord to stay. Lord in speaking, writing, and giving. Lord in all things to obey. Lord of all there is to me now and for eternity. Is he Lord of all in your life? Is he Lord supremely? So being filled with the Spirit, we know that comes these things we've mentioned in verse 19, 20, 21. We have joyful living. Speaking to yourselves in hymns, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your hearts. That's a joyful spirit. You ever whistle sometimes as tune or something you heard maybe on the radio or a song. That's a joyful spirit. That's what Paul is mentioning here. Then he says, be thankful, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We think about giving thanks only a lot of times at Thanksgiving time, right? It should be all year. It should be all the time. Thank the Lord for my car. Thank the Lord for health. Thank the Lord for this church. Thank the Lord for our pastor. Thank the Lord for our friends, our family. I mean, we, the list goes on and on and on. Paul says, one to be thankful. That's a person who's filled with the spirit. And then he says, in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. A person who is 
filled with the Spirit is submissive. And he goes on to talk about the husbands and wives. We won't take time to talk about that tonight. That's a whole other subject. But he, he gives these simple thoughts for us tonight. And I wonder, what would people say about your walk? I thought about my walk today. What would people say about my walk? Is my walk pleasing to the Lord? Does my walk really talk? Meaning that I don't have to speak it or, or speak that I'm a, hey, I'm a Christian, but my walk, does other people know that I'm truly a Christian, I'm walking with the Lord? Or are you one of those people that put it on at church or come to church and you carry your Bible, you say all the right things? I was there before as a, as a pastor's kid. I knew the verses, I knew how to talk to people, I knew all those things, but it wasn't real until I really realized that I was truly lost and needed to be saved and live the Christian life to the fullest. Paul reminded the believers in Ephesus to be followers of God. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with following God? How are you doing with your relationship with him? Is your walk really talking? Have you made much of Jesus Christ? We're only in 24 days in this year already, 24 days in. We have 11 other months to go in a few days. How are you doing this year? May the Lord help us to be followers of him. Walk in love, walk in children, as children of light, and then 